Welcome back to the Complete History of Coffee, Episode 14, History of Chicory. Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and let's get started. Today, we are going to be trying a chicory coffee. I got a coffee mix from Cafe du Monday. It's actually a chicory coffee. And I'm going to be pairing that with uh, beignets, also from Cafe du Monday. So, drink with smelling it. It's definitely very roasty. Um, it's a very deep, um, full kind of smell to it. I'm going to try tasting it. So it's definitely very bitter. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like an espresso. It does recommend making it um, as a cafe au lait. So I'm going to go ahead and add my steamed milk to it. Okay, so let's try that and see what it does. It's definitely a little bit better as a cafe au lait. Um, it kind of mellows out a lot of that bitterness. Brings in um, a little bit of a, a sweetness and definitely a creaminess. So let me try it with the uh, the beignet and see what that does. Beignets are definitely pretty good. Okay, so the coffee and the beignet pair pretty well together. Definitely adds a sweetness to it from the powdered sugar. And I think the bread um, kind of balances out a little bit of that bitterness. I also want to mention, since I forgot last episode on the American Civil War, to bring out my Union hat and my Confederate badge. But I figure since we'll be talking about the Civil War in relation to the history of chicory, I would bring them out today. There grows a blue flower with magical properties. It must be only picked at noon or midnight on St. James Day and can only be cut using gold. One must remember to remain silent while gathering the plant, as any who do make a sound will die soon after. Now, of course, many of you are wondering, why the hell would I want this flower then? Well, the flower can open doors into unseen worlds and can even help you to forget past loves. And if that's not enough for you, the flower also grants its possessor invincibility. This flower we're talking about is of course chicory, and these are some of the European folktales around the plant. So if we're going to take on Caldi and his caffeinated super goats, then we'll need to keep some chicory on us for this epic duel to come between coffee and chicory. Chicory is a blue flower, which is part of the dandelion family. It lacks caffeine, but when roasted, it has a similar taste to coffee. However, it being native to Europe and brought over early on to North America by colonists, meant it was readily available throughout history whenever coffee was no longer being supplied. The part of the plant which is brewed is not the blue flower, but the root. 
Chicory roots can grow as long as 5 feet and weigh up to 3 pounds, although this is the extreme, not the norm. After drying out the root, it is then roasted, which causes it to caramelize, gaining a sweetness to its taste. In fact, the root can also be used as a substitute for sugar due to its sweet taste, while the flowers can be cut up and eaten like a salad. Chicory has been used in food and medicine as far back as ancient Egypt. And the name chicory actually comes from the Egyptian, and do forgive me as my ancient Egyptian is a little rusty, Synthorium. Chicory went on to be consumed by the Greeks as a salad, and similarly, chicory sprouts were eaten by the Romans as a dish called punterella. The Roman poet Horace mentioned chicory when he talked about his simple diet, stating, As for me, olive, chichorie, maleve, provide me with sustenance, with chichorie, referring to chicory. Chicory was traditionally made as a tea and used to treat illnesses such as jaundice, gout, and rheumatism. As we get closer to the period of coffee's arrival to Europe, it seems chicory was often a food for animals, with people only later realizing its potential as a drink. I found several references to chicory being mentioned in relation to the Silk Road trade between Europe and Asia with a warning not to feed chicory to silkworms. But there seems to be a lack of citation around the source of this information. In any case, Holland is often credited with first making the root into a brew at some point during the 16th century, as the Dutch felt it made a lively addition to coffee. This makes sense when you consider the Netherlands was the primary importer of coffee for Europe during this period. Chicory was only used by the Dutch on a small scale, while the Germans were the first to do so on a large one. It was during the 18th century in Prussia, if you remember from our episode on Frederick the Not-So-Great-For-Coffee, decided to limit the amount of coffee in his country. Frederick, during this period, launched a sort of war on coffee, like modern America's war on drugs. America's public enemy number one is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. He sent out coffee sniffers to find illegally roasted coffee and only allowed the rich to have a license to roast the bean. In other words, he hated coffee, stating it made men effeminate and women sterile. Although this may have also been due to the mercantile competition going on in Europe at this time. Without getting too deep into mercantilism, it wasn't completely his fault, as we have to understand the economic strategy of Europe at this time. See, European leaders believed the richest country was the one with the most money in the bank, so exporting had to increase and importing had to stop. Clearly, this method was flawed, and it took Adam Smith to help countries realize where the true wealth of nations comes from. Although Marx, Weber, and many others might disagree. In any case, before we go any further down a rabbit hole of economic philosophy, the people of Germany needed a substitute for coffee. Now, they looked all over for such a thing, from grains to fruits, until they decided on chicory. A few decades later, France began brewing the plant during Napoleon's continental blockade during the early 19th century. 
the French blockade and England's counter blockade resulted in less coffee being imported into France. Chicory was readily available in Europe, however, so the French began roasting and brewing the root to make coffee. Even after the embargo on France was lifted in 1814, many French grew to enjoy chicory in their coffee and so continued to spread the drink to other parts of the world. For example, they took coffee and chicory drinking to places such as Canada, parts of the Caribbean, Indochina, and New Orleans. Places like Germany and Denmark also wanted chicory coffee, so during the 19th century, France was exporting as much as 60 million pounds of it a year. New Orleans was turned into a major coffee importing center by the French as a way to move their coffee into the United States from their coffee plantations in the Caribbean, such as Haiti. However, it was the Civil War which led to Chicory's popularity in the United States. After the Union blockaded New Orleans, Chicory took off in popularity there. The people of Louisiana began mixing acorns, beets, and chicory with their coffee to help stretch out their coffee supplies. Much like in France, even after the war ended, many in Louisiana still enjoyed chicory coffee and it became a part of the culture of New Orleans. Chicory has been used in the 20th century in times of war like during World War I by the Germans. During the war, the Allied powers cut off the Triple Entente's access to foreign goods. The Germans responded by coming up with several erisets, which means substitutes. They used a mix of chicory, acorns, and beech nuts to produce a coffee substitute, and a similar recipe would be used by Germany again in World War II. England likewise also utilized chicory during World War II. Prisoners of war were given this coffee substitute during World War I, and it became known as Erzatz coffee. More recently, economic crisis, such as the Great Depression, has led to chicory as a replacement for coffee, and some prisons have used chicory to help stretch out coffee supplies. Hopefully you enjoyed our episode on the history of chicory. Next episode, we will be returning to the United States to look at growing coffee brands like Folgers and Coffee and World War I. This show is written and produced by me, Eris Affer. If you have not already, please consider supporting this podcast series on Patreon. For the price of a latte a month, you can support this and future projects in this series. Make sure to join our community on social media at the Complete History Podcast Series. If you would like to contact us, you can message us through social media or at our email, completehistorypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, and make sure to share it with your family and friends. To close, here's a quote I came across when recently reading through several of Mark Twain's works. This one I stumbled upon in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. They came back to the camp, wonderfully refreshed, glad-hearted, and ravenous, and they soon had the campfire blazing up again. Huck found a spring of clear cold water close by, and the boys made cups of broad oak and hickory leaves, and felt that water sweetened with such a wildwood charm as that would be a good enough substitute for coffee. <laughs>